The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Remember the name, Bilal Muhammad goes the distance, 25 minutes. Now what do you got to say? I won. Now I'm ready. I can wrestle with the best. I can strike with the best. I can grapple with the best. Bilal! Remember the name, Muhammad! Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. <laughs> That's dangerous. Listen to me, we're at it. Where's my Jimmy? Can't find my Jimmy. I love my Jimmy. Oh boy, where is he? Where's my Jimmy? My little Jimmy. I apologize. I'm just having a little thing here. I'm setting off and so okay. sorry. For the oh, you want that again? No, no, no. Wait till I'm back. I can enjoy it with you. Okay. My apologies for my tardiness. I'm, I certainly wasn't shaving. Uh, welcome to uh, UFC Unfiltered. Um, I was doing something. I, I was uh, just doing something off uh, camera for a moment. And um, it was just taking me a minute longer than it was something I had to get done. But I was delighted. I have to be honest, Matt. I, I normally wouldn't like, but it was hard not to enjoy your songs. Well, I didn't see you. I mean, I know, but I was enjoying your song a great deal. What what song was I singing when I? Didn't I don't I, re- I don't remember it, but I did love it when I heard it. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't see you, so I was just doing a little thing like that. Ding, ding, ding. Where's my Jimmy? I miss my Jimmy. All right, let's let's just get to the show. I'm gonna yeah. sing that song okay. later. Because you know who we we have a jujitsu and surfing champion. That's right. Is he a surfing champion? Well, I mean, he he did just uh, win a big fight against Vicente Luque. I don't know if he sur- no, uh, no, surfs. I'm sorry. We we we're definitely we're oh, not Bilal first. Not Bilal. Bilal oh. Muhammad. That, he needs no introduction. That's right. You know I mean? uh, he's known for his fighting skills and his game show. I don't know if you know about his game show. I don't know about his game show. Well, maybe you'll be invited. I'm very ill prepared. But Joel Tudor is our first guest. Oh. Well, he, well, Joe Tudor, I think he's in the waiting room. He yep. is, he owns the Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Uh, wait, does he? Yes, he does. And he's a surfer. He's a surf champion. Is he a surf yep. champion? I believe he has won, uh, yeah. Shit, man, let's talk to him. And it will be nice to talk to Bilal, too. We haven't had him on in a while after that amazing win. I mean, that was a four-round-to-one victory, a 49-46 win, if I remember correctly, Matt. I think one yeah. judge put it. Uh, 40, uh, 48, 47, I think. I could be wrong. Yeah, who, who'd you pick for that one? 
I took Vicente by decision. I was incorrect. Okay, all right. Well, I'm not going to bring that up to him. He Hello. said, it's okay. He would understand. What's going on? Uh, we're good. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're just trying to, we're running a little late today. So, my apologies. It was my fault. I, I, I'm technologically, I'm not always great. I'm trying to send something off. Are you good with the technology or do you struggle with it? Uh, I'm horrible. I have to have my kids help me send emails. I'm like, I can barely pull off, you know, the average, but it's fine. Do you, do you enjoy the technology or do you, a lot of people resist it and don't like it. And a lot of people love it, but just have not been able to master it. Uh, I feel like I kind of missed it. I sort of like stopped school early to pursue surf stuff. And it was right in the era when it was kind of becoming a standard within like high school and schools. So I just, I skipped it. I didn't really feel I needed it. Um, I still kind of like, I'm not the biggest fan of, of using it, but you know, it, it, at the moment you kind of have to for certain stuff or work or whatever, but I, I have to have my kids help me. I have one that's 12 and another one that's 17. Oh, okay. Born into it. So I get them to help me out. My girlfriend helps me too. Well, you know, I'm reading here, Joel, about your, your champion surfing credentials, world champion, longboarder, longboarder. Three times WSL Longboard World Champion 1998. I can go on and on. This is wild. Now, if, to me, I've always been fascinated with like how the jujitsu community and like the surfing community, how it kind of goes hand in hand. You're not surprised when you find out a guy who does jujitsu surfs and, and, and vice versa. Brian Ortega? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, the list goes on and on. Yeah. So what, what is the connection with that, with the jujitsu and the surfing? Uh, well, you know, in the summertime in Brazil, you know, it's, it's the culture is huge. And, and a lot of the early guys, almost all of them surf, Hickson surfs, Poiler surfs, uh, Henzo surfs, uh, you know what I mean? Like there's, it's, it's been part of it since the beginning. A lot, I'm from the Carlson Gracie side, Marillo, you know, Mario Sperry. I mean, it goes on and on. Arona, everybody surfs. My teacher, Rodrigo Medeiros, like it's just part of the, it kind of went hand in hand. And for me, I got into it because I was in Hawaii when I was a kid and the lifeguards were watching the first UFC because the lifeguards over there all trained. And I ended up watching it. And that was kind of like my first introduction to it. That was probably the winter of 1993. And yeah, and then I didn't really get into it. I mean, got again until I was 25. Um, I just... By coincidence, a friend was training and my ex-wife had trained and he invited me to go and I started and I just, I just, uh, you know, I kind of had some free time. I won a world title when I was 22 in surfing. So I was in this like window of like, you know, trying to find a new hobby or something that was cool. And it just, it, I got hooked, you know. What year did you drop out of school? You said you, you didn't, you didn't complete school. Well, it wasn't on by choice. Uh, at the time then, you know, if you were a pro surfer, most uh, scholastic places kind of thought of you as Jim Spicoli. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, you know, and to their credit, they were pretty close uh, with, what they, <laughs> with what they were saying. But it was really hard to get a school to give you time off, you know, to chase sort of stuff. So that was for me. I just got pushed to, you know, continuation schools to finish my time. And at the time I had so much stuff going on uh, and I was succeeding that I didn't really feel that the high school education was going to help. Do you think part of the reason, uh, because Matt's right, a lot of guys surf who do jujitsu. Do you think that it's, it's something because it's something solo, like uh, or, or like fighters tend to like things that are solo um, or, or without without a team around them? Is that one reason, or does it have zero connection? 
Well, surfing can get a little rough sometimes too, man. Guys like to scrap over stuff. And especially in the old days, that was kind of a thing. And I think that's sort of where it sort of had a connection too. There was sort of that environment where people still settled stuff when they had beef. And, you know, it was a lot like how the old jiu-jitsu world was, you know. Oh, you got something to say, they'd meet up and they'd handle it. And, and surf world was kind of a lot like that. It's changed. The landscape obviously now is totally different. And like the days of, you know, people doing gym challenges have kind of come to an end. It still happens every now and then. But it's, you know, it's same thing with the beach. People still fight every now and then, but it's just too much risk nowadays. You got webcams on all the spots where people have drones and their cell phones. And it's just, it's a different era, you know. If we had web, I, I don't, we trained around the same time in the 90s. That's when I got started. We have a lot of the same friends. And I trained at Henzo's. Uh, I, I never ran into you, but I, yeah, I know. I trained at Henzo's when he finally moved from the above the AIDS clinic. The methadone clinic, yep. And when the old ring used to be right there in the entryway of the downstairs place before the expansion, I trained there for a really long time. And because at, at the time I was in New York working for Diesel Jeans. Yeah. And and I ended up, you know, uh, at Henzo's because I was doing jujitsu. I broke my buddy's jaw in that ring. Yeah. <laughs> that thing was so scary. If you're trying to get someone to sign up for jujitsu and you came in and watched it. My was buddy's like, got a he's got a, a steel thing in his jaw. How'd you break him? That was an accidental knee or no, punch? Well, we were sparring and Henzo, we, Henzo was there. And, and Joel's right. There was a, a, a boxing ring in the middle of uh, when you first walked into that blue basement, you know. And, and since then, they moved things around because he has the whole building. But this was back in the day. So, yeah, I was sparring with a buddy of mine and, and he had his he, he was straight up and he had his mouth open. And I, I had the 16 ounce gloves, too. So I remember I caught him on the jaw and it broke his fucking jaw. So, you know, listen, just because you're wearing a headgear. You know, you got to still, you know, take that seriously, you know. And, Did you he know, have the wired shut? Like, you could break your jaw a couple of different ways. We wire it shut, and sometimes you don't, but he had to? Yeah, unfortunately, he uh, did. Yeah, but he's a buddy of mine from Canada. But uh, but but anyway, Joel, back to the um the early days of training, because this is something we I'm sure we can relate to, because you said about those gym challenges, the school challenges. Now, I, man, if we had an iPhone back then, the videos we would have had, because I know how it was in Manhattan, in Henzo's first academy, the Gracie Kukuk one, in, uh, I'd say, 1996. And, and I've talked about this before, and I want to see if it was similar where you were, where there would be guys coming in, not just knuckleheads who just didn't know what was going on, like street fighting type guys, but even worse was the traditionalists who spent their lives doing karate and everything else. And then all of a sudden they learned that the jiu-jitsu is kind of part of my French, taking a shit all over their art in the beginning, where... Oh my God, I spent my life doing all this fucking katas and these guys are taking us down and smoking us. So there was a lot of guys coming into the city, into the into Henzo's, trying to poke my RIs and grab our throats. So boy, did we have to pop some arms. Was that like that when you, where were you training coming up in the night? No, when I started, it's funny. The first time I ever saw an actual engine scrap was at Helson's in Hawaii. Oh, I can see that. I seen a guy show up at Helson's one night who was from another gym that had beef with one of his students and they both like had their moment. I was kind of like, well, cause I'd seen the great scene action videos and stuff. And then to actually see it ha happen at Helson's gym was pretty funny. But uh, when I first got into it, uh, my teacher had a guy come in and challenge him, but it was another jujitsu guy and they had beef over a girl, you know? Oh, that's and, a little different. And the guy came in with his hands taped and they had it out. And I mean, but it was a good, I got the tail end of it. You know, I didn't start as early as you did. I didn't get into it until the early 2000s. So it was kind of like, that was transitioning out as it was becoming yeah. more successful, you know, and more gyms were opening. And, uh, but I, you know, I didn't get to catch any of that. I heard the stories, but I got to see one little, little glimpse and Helson's place was crazy. Hawaii is a different world. You know, it's still the wild west over there. 
I've been there. I've been there to Helsin's Academy when when Henzo fought BJ Penn. Yeah. Uh, well, and also on surfing, like I was saying, I got to watch jujitsu in action a couple times, like live and direct at a couple different places where I watched, you know, a little guy tie a big guy up. So yeah. I had heel. Um, I'm kind of wiry and small. It, it, it made me kind of feel, and I rode a longboard my whole life. So I took shit for being kind of the underdog of, of in the surf lineup. We're like the low end of the hierarchy, you know? So I ended up, there was some ambition to want to uh, be able to have that kind of security. And it just seemed like the nice way of doing it. So, hey man, shoot, you could be in Hawaii and they go, "Yo, Howley, get off my hey, beach." Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I know, I see, I see Point Break. I know what's going on. But it's not just Hawaii; the whole world's kind of like that, you know. And, and yeah. it teaches you a, a balance of like it's it's a good thing to learn. In any neighborhood you go to, you want to learn who's there and what's what, and get to know the people before you try to take over. And and it's so surfing and that that localism respect kind of teaches a cool bit of humility for a lot of people that start maybe that need it and i don't know i've always thought it was kind of one of the cooler parts in the end when you learn you become a better uh you add to the lineup as opposed to being a problem so, who won the now who won the beef between your instructor and the guy who's the other guy who came in okay so here's the best part i fought that guy years later in the nogi worlds uh the ibjf nogi worlds in 2008 i fought him in the black belt division for the master's division and i beat him nice yeah, my teacher beat him. And right before the final memory, he's like, you can't lose to this guy, man. There's no way. That's great. W was he a complete asshole or was it for your... No, actually, that guy and I are good friends. Shijitsu is a little different. Most of the people you end up fighting, you end up becoming pretty close with over time. And and the beef that him and my teacher had went back to Brazil. You know what I mean? That was like from when they were kids. They just like pretended <laughs> in their moment when they were at a tournament, he got mad over something and... and uh you know, but the, my jujitsu journey has been pretty interesting. I went, to, I fought in ADCC in 2009. I was an invite. Yeah. Uh, I ended up in the U.S. Nationals that year. I fought Ronnie Yaya in the final. This was like three weeks before uh, ADCC, you know, and I ended up triangling him in like a minute. Wait, so you got, you tapped out Ronnie Yaya? Yeah, I tapped Ronnie Yaya. Um, that, hold on a second. Yeah, I hold Ronnie Aya in very high respect. This is this is amazing. Well, this is how I got in, and I ended up, you know, I caught him. I it was funny. I fought a guy from Gracie Baja first. I knee barred him. I fought Megaton, who's Mackenzie Dern's dad, yes. in the second fight, and I toeholded him. And then in the final, I fought Ronnie. You know, and and he and I had trained before because he was living in San Diego at the time, but I'd never really trained with him in the gi, and. You know, he made a mistake trying to over underpass and he fell right into it. Hey, Joel, listen, I'm talking to you like you're a little hobbyist. Holy shit, man. That's awesome. I would love I would love to go over some techniques with you if you're ever in Long Island, New York. Oh, dude, I've trained with a ton of your students, man. You guys are tough as nails. All, all the years when I was at Henzo's, you've got really, really talented students. They'd always come and visit and I'd get to train with them. It was always a pleasure. You know? How's your school? How's your school going? Now, you have a school in San Diego called uh, yeah. uh, Surf Fight. Surf Fight. Oh, no, I heard yeah. that. How long yeah. has that been around for? Um, well, I had my first one about 10 years ago. Okay. And, and then just my responsibilities with surf stuff got overwhelming. And then I kind of helped form that school, Studio 540. Oh, okay. I was okay. the one that put together all the talent for Rob. Rob didn't really know a lot of different people. So he hired me and I brought my school there, which gave him a student base off the bat. And then I kind of like cherry picked all of his instructors for him. Like I found Justin Flores for him. No one knew who Justin Flores was. I was a judo fan and through Donahauer at, at the basement one day, he's like, Joel, have you met Justin Flores? You know, and this was like 
over a decade ago, you know? So we started chasing each other on MySpace. And then when he came to California, I knew he was here and I kept showing people his videos. I'm like, have you guys seen this guy's shit? You know? And he ended up, Rob had the, you know, the funds to get him to come to the gym. And then it just kind of, that was that, you know? That's why. And then that turned into the gym that we were at after like six years, Majid Hage and I, Gorilla Hands, both just kind of wanted to do our own thing. And we opened a gym right here in Del Mar. It's right down the street. We've been open for two years. And, how, and how's that going? It's going on? Great, man. I, I had students that came with me, so we were fine. We, got a, we were lucky to have a student base that came. And then, you know, we've built up, uh, we have our own culture. We kind of give, give a pretty mellow environment. So a lot of people come from different schools. Don't you think it's important? I stress to my instructors, my school, like atmosphere is as important as anything you do in there. Because some guys are coming in with like, like the water's cold, like a tipping in, tiptoeing in, like, ah, I'm a little nervous. I've seen this in the UFC. I've seen it breaking limbs. So they come in a little hesitant, but it really is for everybody. It really is. Yeah, it's, it's for everybody. And it's your responsibility, too, to kind of watch out for the students and make sure that they don't pick the wrong training partners, depending on their age and the injuries they have. And, you know, it's you're like a life coach. You're teaching a martial arts, but you're also like, you know, there's a lot more involved. And, you know, the more you care, the better your students get. And I just kind of feel like it's a it's a it's a give back for me. It's great. I love it. Do you prefer now when you roll gi or no gi? Uh, it's always been a mix of both, you know. I met Dean Lister when I was a blue belt, so I kind of got spoiled because I got to learn a lot of stuff that people didn't know back in the day, you know. And when I made my transfer to no gi tournaments, you know, the knowledge that I got from him kind of, I had a leg up, as you could say. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. It's when he had that famous, um, you know, meeting with John Danaher, when he said, he said that's the famous line of, to John, where it's, uh, you know, why would you ignore 50% of the human body? And also in John's weird minds, like fucking twitching and going, oh, that's right. And next thing you know, we got all these fucking Ashigaramis coming out of the woodwork. Uh, he was staying on my futon when that happened. He was, I was living with Rodrigo Crazy, and Dean Lister was uh, staying with me for a couple of weeks. That was probably around the time I was at, training at the gym, because I remember when his whole program changed, and I went back and I'm like, wow, Donner is doing heel hooks all the time now. All the time. I remember that. We used to call him Johnny Leglock at one point. That's when he used to just pull you. He used to be a, he used to be a bigger, strong rugby guy. So he used to just pull you into knee bars. Did you see? Do you And you watched the fights or no? I haven't watched anything in a while. I've been traveling a little bit lately, and I was in Hawaii. I saw the guy get knee barred the other day. I did watch wow. Clay Guida. I watched that. I saw the highlight. Well, that, that was impressive. And that, and that guy was Clay Guida. So he's not a guy that doesn't know what a knee bar is. He's yeah, phenomenal. he don't tap very easily. It looked like his leg was whew, really overexcited. Claudio uh, Puelas. Claudio Pep, Pep, how, how do you pronounce his last name? I Puelas. Puelas. That's his third knee bar. Yeah. Third fucking knee bar in the UFC. In the UFC. I mean, so slick. Yeah, most people don't like to tap to those. Our fighters will punch their way out of them, you know? Did Clay make a mistake? Let me ask you. Did Clay make a mistake, or was he just that good at implementing it? Because they said that Cormier kept telling me how fast he did it, the speed that he got into that position. But was that something Clay Guida did wrong? Uh, at first, when I saw it, I thought it was kind of like the one that Panza does, where he puts his hand up in the armpit and bumps the guy back over and it falls in his lap. But it, it wasn't even that. Like, I watched it a couple times and it was just a he just rolled over the outside and, and, and nailed it, which is really hard because when you're slippery like that, it's easy for someone to push your leg off and you can kind of turn an angle and get out. But he had it so pinched to his head, which everyone's calling the machemi lock now, you know, like where you pinch your, the heel to the inside of your head that it, it 
And that thing was extended. And I'm sure it made some noise, which made him want to, you know, give up, which is a scary thought. You know, anytime your knee pops, Matt knows when it pops backwards, that's not good. You know, he had it. He had it face foot floor, which is very important. Um, because, again, with looks like you control an arm bar. He's giving you the thumbs up to break the arm, the thumbs down, the elbows up. So when you're controlling the foot from turning side to side by having your head sandwiching it face foot floor, he can't turn that knee side to side. So he, when he rolled, he had it. It's just the same mechanics as an arm bar, but on your knee. knee and he, had, he had the classic John or her foot down the crack of the butt and the other foot on top, which, I, you know, that was. Oh, it's an old school knee bar. I mean, this thing's been going on since the 90s. Rolling. I learned that detail from him. Nick Diaz used this on Macaco. You know, this is old school shit right here. Oh, wow. In a grappling tournament. If you look up Nick Diaz with, with Macaco, that's why when you've seen a John Danaher student, George St. Pierre, fight Nick Diaz, whenever he was behind him, uh, uh, Joel, whenever he was behind him, he had his knee folded over the, uh, the near side leg. He did not have the leg between the legs. If you know, So yeah. there was no... By having your knee in and toes out, there's no knee ball. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I don't oh, know. yeah, 100%. John's evolution and the stuff he taught with St. Pierre, like I was in the gym one week and he was teaching that wizard where he puts his hand on the ground and yeah. throws the guy. And then he did it fighting, I forget which guy. It was like Matt Hughes or somebody. And I was like, holy shit, he showed that like two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Like the technique, his people don't realize how much he's contrib contributed over time. You know, now he's obviously got this status of like, you know, He's the, he's a big big deal, but back in the day, the the moments when he still had the the crazy Bill Murray like hair flap, you know, and it was like just fucking yeah. dudes that would come in with the like no facial expression either. That's what I kind of picked up from him. He never looked like he was trying, which in surfing that's kind of a really big deal. Like the people yeah. that you know are really uniquely special are the ones that just make it look effortless, you know. And that for me, I think why I thought his teaching style was so unique was he kind of implemented the same. It just looked like he wasn't trying. And does Danaher teach regular people or does he only train fighters? Uh, he teaches. When I was there, man, he did privates all day long. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah, just to regular people. And then he had his time dedicated to fighters. I'm sure Matt knows more about that than I would. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with and that. And why don't more people do leg locks and, and, uh, and things like that? Is it because the risk of getting punched while you're doing it if you don't get it immediately? Uh, I've never fought, so I'm not any expert on it. From what I've watched... Uh, yeah, that's kind of a, a real sort of risk. You're in, you're in range. Like pride days, people could still kick you in the face. You know what I mean? Which is like kind of scary. The evolution of it. I mean, I, and I talked about this with John recently, actually. Last time I talked to him, when I'm like, dude, I wish we had this when I was fighting. Dude, I, I sat to a leg lock on, on Eve Edwards and I had that shit on, but we never used to take. And I, I used, I can think of three times off the bat. Shoney, uh, Eve Edwards, Jeff Curran. When I'm on bottom, I attack the leg and I use it to get on top. I would always use it to get on top when guys go to defend it. But nowadays, when you're going for it and when they go to roll and you take the leg out and you bring it to the outside, we never did that back in the day, Joel. At least we never did that at Enzo's. These are, so I'm like, I'm like, fuck, I wish I had that back when I was competing. But to answer your question, Jimmy, guys that are, if you're pulling stuff off in class, you should be able to pull it off in a fight. It's all about timing. So you get these elite guys that are just training these like like uh, Ryan Hall, like um, Gary Tonin, who they get this left and right in the academy. You see them pull it off on the on the highest right. level in one championship. You see them pull it off in the UFC. So those guys can because they're doing it dozens of times in the academy. But if you're just it's like anything else. If you're just experimenting with something, you don't want to try that off in a fight. Right. That, you know that your face is in damage in in, uh, in range of uh, getting 
punched. Yeah, Ryan would be a scary one to fight because he'd be hard to train for. The stuff that he does and what he knows, it's I don't really know anyone that can do it. So that would put you in a weird, a weird opportunity. But I mean, anybody can get caught. You know, it's the same thing with jujitsu. You can get caught. Same thing with surf stuff. You can eat shit doing anything. Uh, your success level maybe is perfect for a long time, and then maybe one doesn't work out. But I don't know if you watched the trials recently. Did you watch the trials uh, two weeks ago? Oh, well, my, I had a few guys in there. Jason Rao, Nick Ronan, and man, I, the guys were doing some some really good, great matches, man. It was wild. But I was tripping out. A lot of the leg lock stuff didn't work. I mean, it seems like the defense to it, people have like learned how to defend. And guys were getting out, you know, from what I watched. From years prior, you see people get caught this year. I watched I was like, eh, it seems like everybody's figured out a method on how to defend it or they're just eating it and they don't care. Which is, I, I believe it's the, it's the, it's the evolution. Because remember when the first, the high guard, uh, the rubber guard, be oh man, we're tying up. Eddie Bravo, look what he did, the hoiler. And, and next thing you know, people are learning how to get out of that. It's, like, it's the evolution of everything. Yeah, the Ricolos came and visited us every now and then they'll come and I'm constantly learning from those two kids. I'm excited. They're about to start fighting. That should be interesting. That'll be a, a cool... Well, they're so young, man, and they're so good. It'll be a, an interesting... I think their evolution into MMA should be a pretty interesting couple of years, you know? Were you ever tempted to fight? Like, did you ever want to and just decide not to? When I was a brown belt, I kicked the idea around. I thought it was fun. I saw a couple of friends get the crap beat out of them when they were really good. And, you know, I still have, like, the surfing thing to fall back on. And I just sort of... I was like, yeah, I think I like surfing. You know, I'll stick over here. And I don't mind doing jiu-jitsu tournaments and competing. That kind of stuff's fun. But the fighting thing just sort of... It, it didn't have the same romance as the competing grappling. But I totally support it. I've helped a couple of people... When uh, when BJ fought Nick Diaz, they had me kind of come out and play around to help him with like being wiry because in Hawaii he didn't really have any students that were uh, my body type. Yeah, kind of like invert the way that Nick does when people you know are starting to punch him. So I got to train with BJ, and then when Dominic first moved here, Dominic Cruz moved here from Arizona when he was fighting the WC. I met him at Barrett Yoshida's one night. And I kicked the shit out of him and he kind of tripped out. You know what I mean? He was like, whoa, like who's the surfer guy that just tied me in a knot, you know? And we became really close friends. And then I started helping him a little bit for some of his fights with the WEC. So, you know, strange world. Uh, I got to help him for a minute. And then, you know, he obviously went on to do crazy stuff, but we've always stayed really good friends. The guy's a really talented grappler, but it was just, it's funny how the world works like that. You know, the places it'll put you in. BJ's a really close friend. Um, you know, I lived in Hawaii off and on since I was a kid. So, you know, you end up falling into that world of training over there too. It's a small island. All the islands are small over there. You know everybody. You know, jiu-jitsu community is pretty tiny. So we all end up in the same gyms or rolling around with you know, different fighters. I've never surfed before. Uh, and it looks fun and it looks terrifying at the same time. What like what for you is an amazing thing to see when you're surfing is it just waves or is it certain weather conditions and where is the best place or the most dangerous place if you're not a professional uh, hawaii is pretty wild just because the way the currents wipe people off the beaches and stuff i don't think i've ever seen anywhere in the world that does that with sort of the the speed that it can take you away you know and and tourists are dumb man they come from you know places where there's no ocean so they don't really realize the dangers and that kind of stuff uh everywhere is dangerous if you can't swim you know, obviously think twice before we do it. Don't take a surf lesson and think that that's all it's going to be, which is kind of the, the real tendency at the moment around the world. A lot of people took up to ocean activities in the last two years because most everything was closed, right? Right. The ocean was open everywhere. So for the first time ever, you had this influx of people that were just like, 
Well, man, surfing's cool. Probably since the 60s, like the Gidget era. It's probably been that long since there's been that kind of a boom of people that partook. But the, you know, the era of like having an uncle or someone in the neighborhood taking you and they showed you the ropes and, and taught you the etiquette and you know, don't drop it on this guy. Be careful and stay out of the way. It's kind of come to an end because people just take lessons. And, you know, for $150, the guy pushes you in in front of somebody and you just learn to surf. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, uh, you know, it's wild. <laughs> I've gotten really crazy. Like I haven't gone swimming in the ocean in a long time, but for some reason I just have it in my mind that a fucking undertow is going to drag me out. Like, I don't know why that's hitting me all of a sudden. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about it in certain places. Like on the East coast, the undertows are, are, aren't so much a, uh, as thing the atlantic's not quite the same like where matt's at i'm not going to say the waves are good because guys up there will get mad at me there's horrible waves in long island there's no surf at all in long island don't ever go there it's there's no waves you know don't don't but there actually is there's great waves up there um Ah, you're not gonna find me on a fucking longboard shortboard wideboard come on in in the summertime you're not going for a paddle a bunch of your students surf yeah some of them do i know raging al was messing around with it a little bit i I'm, I sink. I'm not a water person. I got a pool in my backyard. I made it like five, five. It's around my height where I can just go on my toes. And I don't even have a side. I don't even dive into that thing. Hey, Henzo can surf. Holes can surf. Igor surfs. Uh, uh, Gregor surfs. I actually left the board there one time and, and Gregor stole it. You know what I mean? And Henzo oh. finally ended up like, where's my board, man? What happened? You promised you were going to give me a board. And then he hunted it down, got it back. But, you know. Funny how they are. They took it. I left it at the gym, and and one of them stole it. Never. It was like a gift for Henzo because he let me train there for all those years. You know. Yeah. Trying to pay him back for like, you know, tuition. So I made him a board, and you know, typical family. One of them steals it, doesn't give it the actual person. It's pretty funny. Now, Joel, we have to uh, we have to let you go just because we have our next guest in. But you're really interesting. And uh, what 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 do you want to promote today? And where can people uh, sign up for your or go to your school if they want to and support what you're doing out there? It's Surf Fight Jiu Jitsu. We're in uh, Del Mar, California. It's, it's a city within uh, San Diego. Uh, you can check us out at Surf Fight Jiu Jitsu. It's one word: S U R F I G H T J J. Come by and see me and Majid anytime you want. And Matt, I'll bump into you probably Absolutely. later. And uh, next time in New York, I'll try and track you down. Hey, man. Anytime, bro. Really nice to meet you, dude. Thank you, Joel. Good talking to you. Enjoy your afternoon. Ow! The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello! Congrats, man! Oh, thank you, brother. Dude, 
That was a four rounds to one win. I mean, I think one, was I wrong? One guy gave it 48, 47, but I think that was a pretty decisive four rounds to one win. Yeah, yeah, I figured, I thought it was four rounds to one. I think uh, basically besides the third round, uh, I wasn't in any trouble in any other round. Hey, Bilal, the first fight with you, which was like ages, I don't know, it was like six years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. Around six years ago with you guys, right? Yeah. First time. Now, was, did, he, did he take up any space in your head? Because it didn't look like it. A lot of guys, they got to fight the same guy, a guy that bested them, especially in a bad fashion, the way that happened. It could be like, you know, ah, you know, fuck. I got to go over this. This guy might have my number. He might. What was your head like going into this rematch? Honestly, it was one of those where I didn't want to fight. Like, I was sitting there, like, my manager, you know, your manager calls you, and he's like, hey, you want to fight uh, Kamza? And I'm like, all right, let's go. And then all of a sudden, he called me back, and he's like, uh, you know what's going to be Luke? And I was like, no, no, give me Kamza. Give me somebody else. Cause I don't, I don't want to fight this guy anymore. Like I've already, you know, it's one of those things where it goes back to you and you're like, what if it's not, what if it wasn't like just one lucky punch or one of those things? What if he just, right. just has that crazy power? And you're like, if I lose to this guy twice, then there's probably zero chance that I'm ever going to fight for a title. So again, cause I just lost to the same guy twice. And you know, and if he's at the top, it's going to be harder for me to get there. So it's going to put me two years behind. So I was sitting there looking at like, yo, give me Gilbert, give me somebody else that I haven't fought before. Uh, but then, you know, being a fighter in general, I'm always going to say, yeah. So I was like, all right, let's go. And then, you know, the camps and stuff, like it, it wasn't in my head at all. But then when it comes down to fight week, when you're in the room by yourself, you're, you're thinking to yourself, you're seeing everybody post the video of you getting knocked out and you're, you're, you start going through some demons. We're like, dang, all right, well, is this about to happen again? Did I just go through all of this for nothing? Am I about to get knocked out again? Is it going to happen in the first round? And then, uh, once you get to the cage, n- none of that's all of that's gone. Once it gets to the cage, it's like, all right, we're here. Let's get it. We we already got past the 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 scary point of walking out. We're in the cage now. Now let's go to work. At what point when you first start? Like again, that's that's a really interesting point too, because of course that fear takes over, or just that thought process. What point do you realize? Oh, this is okay. Like during the fight, like this is not going to happen again. Is it before the fight starts, or is it once you finally hit each other? Or what is it? I think after the – usually I like to go in there and get touched right away. So I got at least to either touch him or touch uh, him touch me, even if it's like an attempted takedown where I'm like, all right, we're cool. We're good here. Once I got my first takedown with him and I took him down, that's when I was like, all right, this is different. This is not the same fight. This is a, this is a whole different animal. Uh, we're, we're past that now. Now, the sh- now, your takedowns was so well-timed, man. And I noticed the same thing when you fought Wonderboy. Um, I mean, I noticed – Obviously, it's if you just gave them if you gave them nothing to respect standing up, I don't believe they're going to be as as well timed. I think they they're not going to have so much to worry about. You give them something to worry about with your striking, and then you wait for the precise time because I didn't unless I, I'll watch it again. But not too many was stuffed. I don't I don't remember him stuffing any. I remember just well, like I kept waiting for the shot. And then you'd almost surprise me for when you went for it. How does that get, how do you get that now? I mean, are you getting it from drills or is that all worked out in sparring? The timing on those takedowns. Honestly, I do a lot of like, uh, like play sparring where it's just, we're, we're not going hard, but we're do, doing touching, but then our grappling is hard. So like, we'll do a lot of touch, 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 and then hard grappling. So like, if you go for a takedown, you can go for a hard takedown once it gets to the ground, then it's, then it's live. But on the feet, it's just like play, play. Like I could do that probably like 10 rounds because you're, you're not really taking any hard punches, but you're going hard grappling uh, when it gets to that point. So I think I get a lot of that from that because it's like it comes with a lot of feinting too because a lot of guys, not a lot of guys that do any feinting at all in, in MMA. 
I think that's like a lost art, but it's a real art when you, if you know how to do it right. And like you said, you have to give them something to respect. If you guys saw the, uh, the UFC Destin 2, uh, after the fight, they followed, the, they followed me and Luke and they, like the whole time after the fight, Luke was like, bro, those, those body kicks, they broke me. He was talking to Gilbert Burns and he was like, uh, he, he was just, I couldn't catch it. I couldn't catch up to him. And then those, those kicks really hurt, man. Those kicks broke me down. And I'm like, people are telling me, oh, you don't have power. But I'm like, bro, ask the people that I'm, that I'm actually hitting if I have power. You're in an interesting place, too, because obviously you're going to get a shot at the title. I mean, you might need – I think uh, he's fighting uh, Leon against Kamaro, but you haven't fought anybody at the top. The Leon fight, obviously, we know how that ended. So there's only really great fights for you. Uh, anything upcoming is, is a great fight. Uh, who do you think you get next? Is it going to be Gilbert? Do you think that Shemaev and Colby – uh, a fight uh, because of what, what do you think happens next? And who do you think will be next for you? Just logically. Honestly, I don't think that Kobe is going to take the Tamaya fight. I think that Kobe's, as you can see Kobe's looking to fight uh, Dustin Poirier or like 55ers. He thinks that I think he's going to be sitting out for a while. And especially if, if he gets a check from this Masvidal uh, sucker punch, I think that he'll, he'll just be chilling out uh, and hope that there's an injury or something to get tomorrow. So I think that it's either going to be Tamaya or Kobe. I think that Tamaya makes sense for me because we're the only two in the top five that haven't fought for the title. And like my man freaking Nate Diaz said, you're taking everything I work for. Like I, I grinded to get here. You're, you came in, the, you've been in the division three fights and now you're ready. They're calling you for the title fight, but I've been through the ups and downs. I've, I'm on an eight fight winning streak. So like you have to go through me first before you get this title shot. And I think that the fact that neither one of us fought Usman yet uh, and we're both stylistically good matchups for that type of fight. Usman had trouble with Gilbert Burns and uh, Kobe because they had the threat of a takedown or and grappling. I think me and Tamaya both bring that to the table. And I think that we saw that Tamaya got his chin tested against Gilbert. So let's test his cardio against me. Let's get a five-round fight. Makes sense. What do you think of uh, Edwards and, and Kamaru? It's kind of hard to pick against Kamaru against anyone, how, how, how incredible he's looked. What do you think of that fight? Honestly, the fact that, you know, Edwards is, a, is sitting out. Like, the, he's... He's had one fight in two and a half years, and it was against Nate Diaz. And then you're going to tell me you're going to go fight Kamara Usman off of that? Like, that doesn't really make sense to me if I'm Edwards. Like, I would want to stay busy. If I'm going to fight Kamara Usman, who's, who's been active, he's an active champion, and your last fight is against Nate Diaz, who's nothing like Kamara, I think it's just going to be Kamara walking through him, honestly. Well, man, shit. You're solving some problems here, man. Like, you're like a problem solver. Because you went from fighting Damian Maya, who's a fucking specialist, I don't give a fuck, 40 or not. The guy's a specialist, and he takes out guys. Guys know what he's doing. He still takes him out. You, you defeated him handily, and then you go total other end of the spectrum. You went, you fought a guy, total another specialist, but a karate specialist who's a fucking enigma. Guys have, guys have a hard time figuring out fucking Stephen Thompson. I don't give a shit. And yet you closed him, you shut him out, and then you fight a well-rounded guy who bested you, Vincente, Vincente Luque, and you're taking him out. So I don't know what else people could ask for from you. You know what I mean? I mean, this is why. Honestly, you need to be my hype, man, because these people don't, don't understand that. I'm like, bro, Damian Maia is a, a legend. He's a monster. Wonder Boy is a monster. Everybody who fights these guys, they have, they have to bring in all these specialists. And then Luque is just a, a specialist in finishing people. And I'm like, bro, if you guys don't respect that, I don't know what else I need to do. I would love either one, and I said this before, you versus Comzat or you versus Kobe Covington. That, that's a nice fight. Those are nice fights. I would, I would, that's a, that's a main event. That's something I would like to see. You know what I mean? Because, hey, man, 
There's wrestling, and then there's wrestling for MMA. It's different. Can't just point to the credentials, man. I see Marab get get out wrestled in street people floor wrestling. I see them spar the same guys and fucking dump them on the head. So it's like it is it's it's a different thing. I would love to see you fight either one of those guys, bro. Yeah, I, t- I tell I tell people all the time it's different. Like people are like, did you wrestle in college? I'm like, no. Nah. Like I got two years of wrestling in high school. But like if you understand when to shoot off of punches or anything like that, it's a big difference when it comes to that. and especially cage wrestling too. Look at George St. Pierre. That guy wasn't no high school wrestler. I don't think he owned a singlet. <laughs> Do they make those in Canada? A <laughs> guy was one of those. What did you think of uh, Mike Jackson uh, won by uh, disqualification against Dean Barry was making his uh, debut. And, you know, he was wild. And then he started to really put it together at the end and he was beating Mike Jackson. But that eye poke was brutal. And uh, it was like an eye dig. And then and, and, uh, Barry is saying, well, I think he took the easy way out. But uh, you're a guy who's had a fight and like that. And I guess that hurts a lot more than people realize who haven't had a, a finger in the eye like that. Yeah, honestly, it was one of those where I saw it and I was like, I had flashbacks. I'm like, oh, man. And that's the thing. People will sit there and, like, I literally still have fans that come up to me. You're a crybaby. You, you pulled out of that fight. I'm like, bro, I literally cannot see out of my eye probably for, like, seven days. And, you know, people are just, like, trolls and people are just so dumb. They don't understand, like, you can literally go blind. Like, look at Michael Bisbing. And if you're in there and you can't see out of one eye, there's really nothing you could do. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I feel like I know Dean Barry. I've trained with him before. Obviously, you know, being that was his debut. I feel like he was just a little bit too hyped. He had, a, he had like three fouls. So I understand why the yeah. ref qualify him. Uh, but yeah, no, you, you can't blame the guy for getting poked in the eye. Yeah, really? Two finger poke. I've never seen that before. Fuck it. It was like a fish hook. It yeah. was like, <laughs> like somebody fish hooked the neck. But he didn't think he was hurt, though. He didn't think Mike Jackson was hurt. Because when he did it, he went, hee hee. Yeah, that, that was the thing. The fact that he was playing around. A little bit too much. I was like, bro, what's the odd? Like, even when he got low blowed. Uh, I'm sorry, Bilal. This match just did Michael Jackson. Impression. I'll hurt my soul. I'm sorry. I don't hurt think he soul. Soul. I'll do it again in case you didn't hear it. Yeah, yeah, do it he again. Thought he, was, he didn't think he was hurt, Jimmy. You know why? Why? But he, he stuck it in. He goes, hee hee. Sorry. I disappear for a second. And then he goes, am I hurt? Let me look at the man in the mirror. I'm Mac, but that is bad. All right. <laughs> I'm dying here. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. I never once I don't I never did stand-up comedy where you get like where you totally bomb. So I want to do it here with you guys. That's okay. I've done it many oh, times man. where I bombed. It's, it's it's free. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, guys. The Mike Jackson thing. That fucking guy. Can that guy get a job, really? I, this is not for him. He beat up CM Punk. Mickey Gall choked him out. And now he's in there. Oh, and he's like, right. you know, the best is after he got groin shot. And he's talking to the ref. He's like, hey, wow, man. This is, that was a rough one, you know. And uh, I'm like, what the fuck is If he's sitting here having a conversation, if they got hit the dick, he can get up and fucking shake it off. I don't know. Maybe. But that's kick- what I was looking at. I was like, why is he, why is he having a conversation? He's like. He was making a joke of it. And I'm like, bro, are you taking it serious or not? Like, do you want to get back in there? He was like laying down for like four minutes. No wonder why he, the fucking, what, who did he fight again? The newcomer, um, your buddy. Uh, Dean Barry. Dean Barry. No wonder yeah. why he's in there like, ah, fucking, don't make this a fucking mockery. Mike Jackson. You know who seems to think like, like guys who say like, oh, he took the easy way out. 
is is maybe guys who would look for the easy way out like they they think like oh Bilal must not have wanted to fight Leon so he took the easy way out but you obviously wanted to fight Leon I mean that's why you were there so it's almost like for anybody to say you took the easy way out in the fucking first round it, it makes no sense at all it's, it's just it's crazy yeah people are like delusional they just look for any not, we're in a day, day and age like I said like you look at Mike Tyson where he just beat up that guy on the plane like people just think that they control and say whatever they want because they're not in front of you. So they could, they assume they, there's no repercussions to anything they say. Yeah, that was really awesome. Um, to, I think also people are disappointed when a fight ends like that because we want the fight. So we have to find a way to, it's easier to blame one of the guys who could have said yes instead of just going, fuck, it happens and it sucks. And, you know, we just have to be disappointed. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I was really happy for you. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, I guess it'll take a little while now before you have something offered to you. I guess it depends, too, on what uh, Colby and Shemaev decide. And you said you think Colby is – what do you – if Colby sits out for a little while? Um, first of all, I don't think he gets Kamaru anytime soon. Uh, unless Leon Edwards wins, then maybe he gets a shot. But I don't think he gets Kamaru again. Yeah, I think that – you know, I think he's going to look for maybe a Diaz brother or uh... – some, somewhere around those lines. Like, he thinks that he's a big money fight or a draw, I guess. Uh, so I can see something like that happening. I mean, there were talks of him going up to fight at Asanya. So I think he's going to play that game a little bit, still make his money off of that Masvidal win. He dominated Masvidal, so getting sponsorships and things like that. So I, I don't think he's at the point where he needs to fight like that as soon as the other people do. Jimmy, let's talk about some real important shit. Let's sure, hold up shit for one second. Agree. Bilal Muhammad. Are you still doing your... I'm reading the notes and these motherfuckers didn't put it on here. I am a fucking champion. Not in the, not in MMA. Well, no, and in MMA. That, MMA no, too. That, that too. Let's Both. not forget. I, I did okay. shock the world. But that's not what we're talking Shock the world. That, that's not what we're talking about. I was on a game show. First, Michael Chiesa. First, Michael Chiesa. And I fucking bested him. Tell the audience. Tell Jimmy what the fuck happened. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You dominated him. And you did it in the car. You did it in the car. It was domination. Michael Kessa keeps begging me to come back on to, to redeem himself. But no. I was like, I don't know. You didn't look good against Matt. <laughs> no, I'm not giving him a rematch. I want someone else. He, can you please tell everybody about your game show? <laughs> yeah, every Thursday night we have a game show. Uh, dude, it's just like fun trivia stuff. Like, like I said, fighters, anytime I get somebody to come on there, like fighters will be like, bro, that was amazing. That was really fun. I had Kessa on a couple weeks ago. It was him against Juliana Pena. It was cool. So I was like, it's a different. It's a different type of uh, show for people. What's the name of it? Remember the show. And what type of uh, questions do you ask? How does it work? It's all like uh, MMA related. So it'll be like uh, MMA filters. But there'll be like guy filters. I mean, guy fighters with girl filters, and you have to tell me who the guy fighter is. Or it'll be like guess this guy's nickname, or uh, you know, f- just fun random trivia questions like that. So it's like nothing too serious, but it gets competitive when you have like fighters. Because all fighters are competitive. So it brings out their personality and things like that, different side of them than you usually do see uh, in the regular interviews. Jimmy, yes, sir. normally in MMA, I was always a gracious winner. Always. But I, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a very – I was a bad winner on this. And I was I, – and I love Michael Chiesa, but I did everything but do this to him. I was, I was a fucking shitty winner, and I loved it. Sometimes you got to do that. It's more fun. No, you, you earned it. You earned it. Yeah. Thank you. We, we had some hard guys in that show, but that was domination. That was that was a definitely a 10-8 round if it was a round a scored like that. And now let me ask you, you're still doing it with John Anik's brother? Yeah, yeah, Jason Anik. Me and Jason Anik every Thursday nights. He's a little guy. What if you throw him and Jimmy Norton in a cage? Who's who's walking out of there? 
<laughs> me and John Anik? Yes. He'll strangle me. I'm sure brother, he's trained. His brother. His brother. Oh. His, bro- his brother runs marathons, though. His brother, his brother got cards. I, I, whoever, if I take his brother then. I would literally bet on his brother, and I would still not try to throw the fight, and I'd lose. Yeah. I, my cardio stinks. I've gotten fat. I'm fucking, my leg is sore. I, I got nothing. <laughs> Listen, I think, I don't want to set this off, but I think you would be a good uh, contestant on Remember the Show. I don't know. I mean, the MMA level of knowledge you have, I don't have the level of knowledge you have. You do the, what are you talking about? We do the official UFC podcast. I know, but you know it better than I do. Uh, well, you know, I'm a champion. Yes, but you are. You're a fucking comedian. But now, <laughs> what do you like to do? What do you like to do when you're not fucking doing that show, which is awesome, remember the show, and training and taking out fucking elite fighters? What do you like to do, Bilal Muhammad? Some hobbies. You know, I play a little bit Call of Duty. Uh, Bilal, listen, I'm going to let this out now. I'm going to let this out now. And I want you to hear this. And I, I, didn't, I didn't put this out there for the world, but I'm going to do it right now. Last night, something happened. I play a game called Population One. I'm sorry. Mm. Bear with me for one second. I play this game and I'm very proud. Last night, I, I, um, I got to a rank. Now, just like when you get a rank in like martial arts, like jujitsu or something, you're proud. I became a gold PJ last night. A what? But can I clap for myself? I became a gold PJ in population one. I told my wife, nobody seems to care. This is me last night telling my wife and kids. Honey, honey, I'm a gold PJ. I, I became the rank of a gold PJ. Yes. yes. Guys, I did it. First the Hall of Fame, now this. Okay, enough. All right, you guys get the idea. Yeah. You get the idea. I didn't I was gonna post that, and then I said. I can't let that get out because that's embarrassing. Wow. But I just did it now because I feel very comfortable because he's into gaming. So he's not, he, Bilal's not, Bilal, I went up a notch in his book right now. Jimmy, Jimmy looks disgusted. I don't know what a gold PJ is. Oh, dude, let me tell you, it's the rank of 60 in population one. I want you to Google that shit. All right. My and Google is out today. A golden PJ. It's a guy, PJ is a character and I got a gold jacket. I just like I earned that Hall of Fame jacket. I earned this shit. I put my time in. I'm not doing it for Twitch. I'm not doing it for the fucking fans. I'm doing it for the love of it, Jimmy. Well, I'm sorry you had to see that. I'm sorry. No, honestly, I, I played Population 1. That thing is hard. So You played it! You fucking played it! Yeah. You yeah, like I mean, it? I got... I li- it, was, it was super cool, but I kept getting killed, and I was like, bro, this thing is... I don't know, but it's, it's crazy how it's, like, so real when you're in there. It's nuts. I got dizzy. It made me dizzy. Like, I, I couldn't, I felt like I was, like, floating forward. It made me nauseous. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But then everybody's telling me, like, you have to get used to it. But, like, I was like, bro, this thing is, it's crazy. It's literally like a movie. I'm like, what the heck is going on in here? I live in that shit. I fucking love it. Like, you God, do, right? Goddamn man child, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just take limbs and play video games, you know? <laughs> but below man i can't wait to see what's next for you brother yeah. you're killing it man I'm, I'm i'm happy for you man you're always such a good dude and and you deserve it man you really do appreciate it, it means a lot for you man appreciate that all right well look man uh please come on before your next fight uh again it's gonna be whoever it is it's a great fight if it's not Gilbert, it's Shemaev. If it's not Shemaev, it's Colby. It's one of those guys. And then um, I, I really hope that you uh, that you win. I would love to see you get a shot at the title. Uh, what, what do you think? At time again, barring injury and stuff, are you thinking within a year, one more fight maybe, and then a shot? Yeah, I think one more fight within a shot. So I'm hoping that 
it comes that smooth. But like I said, you never know. Leon, with Leon's luck, his fights get canceled every other day. So yeah, hop in the Camaro fight. Right, right. And I think for you, do you think it's better, like just for for your shot? I think it's better for you if Camaro stays champion, just because again that takes Colby out of the picture because they're not going to give him Camaro again. Yeah, yeah, and I read the Wait, he's the pound for pound champion. He's the guy that everybody thinks is the goat right now. So like, I I want to take that from him. I want to take that title. All right. Well, good talking to you, man, and congratulations on that amazing win. I'm sorry, Jimmy. No, 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 please. Did you watch the fights the other night? Yeah. What'd you think, man? We're about to talk about a couple of them. What'd you, what'd you, first of all, Jessica Andrade, Amanda Lemos, Amanda was looking, she, I mean, I know it got stopped early, and not early. He, she caught not early, no. She, yeah. But she was looking on point. She's so dangerous with the striking. Not a lot of people, and you know, for being such a, a good uh, grappler, that's not an easy thing to pull off. I had no arm standing up. You rarely see that. Yeah, that standing arm trial was sick. I was like, no way. Is she really going to do it? So just how strong she is, too. So I'm like, she's next level. When she had her up against there, and you seen, when you seen uh, uh, Amanda, um, uh, the arm trap, it looked like when you see, like, the prey of, like, a big, large cat, like, getting a fucking gazelle or something, and, and you see their face of, like, <laughs> her mouth was like opening like and fucking she was just sorry Jimmy but it was it was it was actually disturbing because then you see her just squeezing and she's like it was right Jimmy yeah was, she's very powerful I'm like holy fuck I thought she was well I thought she was gonna pull her into the ground yeah. I thought maybe she was gonna do that and do like a fucking Aljo Sterling down there. But the way she got that standing up was something that shows you how strong she is. How about that knee bar? That knee bar from uh, Claudio Plates. Dude, that Man, was... I can't stop talking about that thing. Yeah. We were talking about that with the, the, our last guy on here, Joel, the sur- uh, surfer champion. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable, oh, man. It's his third one. It's his yeah. third fucking knee bar. That, I mean, holy shit. Anytime. And he did it from, I believe he had it from knee shield half guard, all yeah. fours, and rolled. It was wild, man. And an arm bar, then he went from an arm bar to Omapada, and I was like, bro, his, his transitions on the ground are, are sick. They were good. I, I can, I'll tell you right now, I can watch that. As people love the knockouts, I'll watch that any day of the week. I watch that like, oh, give me some more. I don't even – I don't watch a lot of jiu-jitsu competitions. I like watching it used in combat. I like watching it used in the cage because that's when you're like, all right, man, shit, that works. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think watching a leg, a, 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 a knee bar or something like that, I like those as much as a knockout. Like, I, I, I leg kicks, are the, my favorite thing to watch in MMA is a guy beating the shit out of somebody's legs. It just looks, and I've had my leg kicked, and it's, it's, it's awful. And I, I think it hurts so much more than people realize until they get kicked in the leg once. Dude, Mackenzie Dern, a couple of weeks ago, when she had that Kimura from guard, oh. I'm telling my kids, look away. Fuck it. I'm thinking the things that, yeah, you see a shoulder come out, it's nasty. Hers was a monster for that one. I was like, there's no way she's getting out of this one. And she, she toughed it out. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, that was a great fight, too. But I, I love, dude, I love the, uh, I love seeing it used on the highest level. And, uh, yeah, that, that was something else. Any other fights we want to talk about? What we got? Uh... Well, Venata against uh, Dwayne, uh, uh round one submission. Yeah, I did, I did not see that coming. I think I had Venata uh, pick my decision in that fight. Venata can't take, Venata, the guy, uh, Lando Bennett is a guy that's like dynamic and he does wild shit. And you're like, this guy should be a superstar. But then a lot of times he just comes up short. It's like, fuck. It's like, you know, the guy's good. It's like, 
Well, he, I mean, or that hump, like it's like you, like he shows great. Even against Tony Ferguson, like I'm like, bro, this guy's about to be a champion. And then I was, you're like, he just has, you know, he'll throw up some softballs here or there. Exactly. But I'll tell you, man, that that uh, that Charles Jordan, oh, that was a that was a badass sub. Yeah. I mean, shit, he was. Awesome. I thought he was a striker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's got his neck, and you got to give Macy Barber, uh some props for those because because some uh, montana de la rosa was game she was game yeah she, you could tell she was confident in her stand-up and it was you're starting to think oh man this is kind of it's kind of it's kind of even and then these fucking elbows from hell started coming from the clinch when she threw those things a little bit of space and she's whoa whoa those were starting to be a game changer in there jimmy yeah she wanted to finish her but uh, you know look a decision is, is a win so she, she's mean i used to train with macy macy she, she's a little firecracker when she goes, when she throws. What do you think happens to you guys are talking about Lando? Do you think sometimes that there are certain guys that get to a certain point and that one fight that they can't win, or if they don't get over that hump, like you said, do you think it's nerves or do you think it's, uh, they don't function? What do you think happens to certain guys? Like, like, uh, Cowboy Cerrone at times wouldn't win the one fight he needed to win as much as he's one of the, the greatest fighters. So what do you think happens to certain guys? I just think that it gets to that there like there's levels and there's sometimes guys once they get on winning streaks or something like that, they get a little bit too comfortable and they don't continue to evolve. Like this game, I think that you can, you have to continuously evolve and change every single time. And you can't just come in there with the same skill set every fight. Every fight you have to bring in a little bit more, a little bit extra here, a little bit there. And sometimes guys are just like, Well, it worked last fight, so it's gonna work this fight. And you can't come in there with that mindset every time. Yeah. Okay. And then and then other times it's like B rabbit in the beginning of fucking eight mile choke 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 <laughs> choke. Sometimes they just fucking don't show up, and they and they fucking got that fucking putting that clip the clothes back in that plastic bag, and then they go back across eight mile, and then they get their mojo. Hopefully, like you said, like I said before, it was like the the mental aspect of it's it's huge. Like the mental, the biggest part is getting to the cage, and then you still have to get over that hump of actually mentally be like, all right, cool, it's there. But after the fight, it's always like. Oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Like it, all this overthinking and things like that. It wasn't that bad. It was it was all right. It was just a normal fight. Was this uh was this Luke A fight going into it and thinking the way you were thinking? Is this the most that you've had those thoughts about yourself? Like, can I do this? Can I beat this guy? Or 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 have you had it more in other fights? Or I don't even want to say it was doubt, but whatever it was that you were feeling in this fight. Well, I think I, I had it the most in the the Wonder Boy fight, just because Wonder Boy's style's so crazy, and then it was like Everybody was telling me, like, oh, you got to bring in this guy. You got to bring in this guy to fight. And I was like, I didn't bring in nobody. I just used my, my team. We have a small team. So I used to use my normal guys. And I had everybody like, bro, you got to do this, this, and this. And then uh, he beat Luke and he killed Luke. So it was one of those things where I'm like, if he killed Luke and Luke beat me, like, what am I going right. to do to Wonderboy? So it was, it was a lot like that. And then it was like still one of those things. Like, I always loved watching Wonderboy. I was like a fan of him before he even get into the UFC. So it's like, I'm actually fighting this guy. So I had to get a lot to get over that hump. But once I won that fight, then I was like, all right, you know what? I do belong with these guys. And it's funny, man. He's such a nice guy. Like, yeah. you can't even, like, try to hype yourself up by putting a picture of him up on your refrigerator. You'll be like, oh, there's Wonderboy. Yeah. No, <laughs> he's such a nice Oh, what are you? There he is. I'm going to look at him today. No, dude, you got to He's not that guy because he doesn't seem like a monster. He'll be like a yes, sir, no, sir. And then he'll put a psychic in your face. Yeah, that's what my my manager's like. Oh, talk a little trash stuff. I'm like, bro, I'm not gonna talk to Wonder Boy, the nicest guy. I, was like, I think I feel like I fought the last three guys. I fought with the nicest fighters ever: Maya, 
Wonder Boy and then Luke. Like, no. Yeah. Oh, they're all super nice. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Fuck, man. You're due for a prick. Get you Kobe coming. <laughs> right? Smack that motherfucker. Smack that motherfucker. I would love that. I would. I'll be, oh, I'll be wearing my fucking... This is the show. Remember the show T-shirt that night? I'm going to be fucking <laughs> so excited if Bilal gets his fight versus Colby. Yeah, me too. You know too. what I mean? I can't smack him. I'm not going to be getting a ride. I don't like the guy. Nobody likes this motherfucker. Nobody likes him. You'll be a hero for everybody, Bilal. Even those motherfuckers send you the picture, you get poked in the eye. They'll say, fuck that. You're our hero, Bilal. Take this cocksucker out. No, man, now I want it now want even more. Now I want even more. Yeah. All right, let's let Bilal. Bilal hangs out all day. Thank you, Bilal. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll talk soon, Bilal. Good job. All right, buddy. Congrats, Be good. Bro. Yeah, congratulations. Peace out, guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. That guy could be a third mic sometime, man. I like yeah. Bilal a lot, man. He's yeah. fun. He's got a good energy about him. He really but does. We really should mention Jimmy, yes. Mark Andre Barillo. Barillo, uh, yeah, yeah, beautiful fucking kill. Oh, Jordan, right? Yeah. I mean, what a knife for some nice submission. It was Tyson Pedro uh, against Ike uh, Villanueva that that uh, round one TKO. He looked really good. It, it, it was a great, great night. <laughs> Jimmy, um. Oh. Unfortunately, Alexander Romanov and Chase, Chase Sherman. Sherman. Yeah, got canceled. Yeah, yeah. Sorry yeah. about the heat, Jimmy. I'm. I no, it's, it's, before Jimmy did that. Was it? Was it? Did you like my little impersonation with the Michael Jackson thing? No. Was, it, was that something where you're like, Matt? Maybe you should think about this stand-up comedy thing and maybe give it a whirl. Oh no! Was just beat kind of, it. Did you tell me to beat it? What, Jimmy? Listen, we got. <laughs> I'm going to take your advice and beat it. We're done. Um, and there's one thing too, like as far as guests are concerned too, like I, I hate, I'm not good at booking guests, although they always come up with people who I enjoy talking to. Um, today's guest I was very happy with. Um, you know, I enjoyed um, Bilal, of course, and I enjoyed uh, Joel, a very interesting guy who I never would have thought of off the bat, but sometimes the fans, I get a lot of emails, Matt. So I want to make this announcement. And I'm sure you would like to make it too. Yes. UFC unfiltered fans. You have a chance to be heard as to what happens on the podcast. Now fire Jim Norton is not uh, acceptable. Um, I don't want to hear it. Uh, but yeah, we're going to give you our fans a, a chance and the power to choose what happens on an upcoming episode. We want to know who you want on an upcoming episode and the topic you want us uh, of course, me and Matt 
to discuss uh, our partner Socios. They're giving fan token holders a chance to vote on who will be a guest on an upcoming episode. Download the Socios app, S-O-C-I-O-S, Socios app now to vote. Now, second, head over to Socios on Twitter to vote on a topic that we will discuss on an upcoming episode. Make your voice heard. Vote on Twitter and on the Socios app now. The polls are live now, and they're going to run through April 29th. Vote now for who you might want to see as an upcoming guest. Jimmy, we always talk about wanting to get more involved with the fans and them to get more involved with the show. This is what we're talking about. Get that Socios app. Socios, yes, sir. Yes. Because I want to talk to people they want to hear us talk to, right? Yeah, man. And then we all win. Yeah. We all win. Yeah. What a fun day today, Jimmy. And plus, we're lazy, and that makes our job easier when they say, book these people. Go, all right. Jimmy, you got me told. I'm an associate with Yes, this was fun, buddy. And uh, I'm going to be May 6th and 7th. I'll be in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I got some dates upcoming in Delaware, Jim Thorpe, PA, and New Jersey. And of course, Matt, you're on Cameo. And uh, Matt, Sarah, BJJ out there on Long Island. I wish I lived closer. Dude, I like to have a good time. Jimmy, I'm going to talk to you in a couple of days. All right, buddy. And uh, Unfiltered Army, we love you. Yes. Thanks for supporting the show. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.